closer to the athletes, coaches, families, and fans of Cincinnati sports. It's On the Sidelines with Q102's Molly Watson and Lindsey Patterson. Presented by OrthoCincy, the orthopedic authority. We are back on On the Sideline. Lindsey Patterson's solo episode today. Molly Watson, unfortunately, battling some of the flu symptoms. We're hoping to get her back out here soon. I am so pumped because it is playoff week for the Cincinnati Bengals. I have a very special guest from OrthoCincy, Dr. Matt Desjardins. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me in the studio. It's good to have you. Unfortunately, we got to talk a little bit about injuries right now. Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm going to back it up a couple weeks to the Cincinnati Bengals-Buffalo Bills Monday night football game. And just what a wild turn of events that happened for that game. You get out there, the atmosphere is huge. They're playing at home. It's for the one and two seed in the NFL. And unfortunately, early in the first quarter, DeMar Hamlin, Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills went down. And can you kind of just walk everyone through what exactly happened to DeMar in that in that situation yeah so probably one of the most incredible things most of us sports fans have have really witnessed on a on a big stage like that Um, the way it looked is he took a good football hit into the chest like happens every game multiple times was able to stand up like everything was okay and then he fell backwards and so fortunately being at an NFL game is one of the best places to have something bad happen to you. So he was surrounded by top-notch, highly trained medical individuals. So they were rapid in their response, like they're trained to be, like they plan to be. And so they were on the field assessing him and taking care of him right away. Um, it probably didn't take him too long to figure out that it was some sort of cardiac event. To those of us who are watching, I guess you wouldn't really know. And, of course, all the players were around, so you couldn't really see much. Uh, but I'm sure they had the assessment done right away and figured out, hey, this is a life-threatening emergency. Yeah, you know, if you're watching it on TV, I feel like more people were getting the details. Being in person, a lot of people, I think, you see the ambulance out there, you see the stretcher out there, and the first thing that comes to your mind, maybe it's a concussion or it's another body injury, and, and nothing ever you know, comes to my mind that it's going to be a heart injury, a heart problem that happened. And it was one of those things for T Higgins, the wide receiver who was playing on offense. It was a safe football hit. It just happened at that, that exact time where it caused just the blunt force trauma situation in his chest. And, and that doesn't happen all that often, does it? No, it's pretty rare. Um, I think most people initially were thinking, um, the heart issue is caused by something called commotio cordis. We don't know that. None of his medical information has been released. But what that is, it's a blunt force trauma to the chest. But it has to happen at the right time, the right location, the right force. And when I say the right time, it's so specific in the, the heart cycle, the way the heart beats. You know, that EKG tracing you see on TV, it's got to happen in the right millisecond. And that can cause the heart to go into a fatal rhythm. So it's very specific. It's it's rare. Um, we can see it in school-age children. It might be reported in the range of 10 to 20 times per year out of 300-something million people. Yeah, that that's what's insane about it because I think it brought a lot of awareness to what you need on a sideline. And you mentioned it. It's one of the things that I heard a lot from sports broadcasters, medical professionals. If you were going to be anywhere during something that was heart-related or medical-related – you want to be on a football field or a hospital room? 
And it's just absolutely incredible when you think of the professionals who are on the sidelines from assistant athletic trainers to the medical professionals, just how important their job is during that time period in a matter of seconds. Yeah, the the big thing that they do um, at the NFL level is they have a meeting before the game, all the stakeholders, the medical stakeholders. So it'll be the head team physicians of both teams, the athletic trainers. um, There's an airway physician there, the EMTs, anyone who's involved that's going to be involved if there's a medical emergency and coordination of care. They're at the meeting every game, every year, playoff, non-playoff. And they talk through it. This is where the ambulance is going to be. This is where our equipment is. And it's just a routine part of every NFL game. So they're ready. I mean, this does not happen often, these types of emergencies. Broken legs, yes. Concussions, yes. Cardiac emergency, life-threatening emergency, incredibly rare. So they drill it, they plan ahead, and that's so critical to responding because it's one thing to be trained for it. But if you're not drilling it and practicing and ready for it, it can catch you by surprise. They weren't surprised. No, and that's what's incredible. What kind of equipment is needed at an NFL game? Yeah, so probably the key component that everybody's aware of, aside from the personnel, is the AED. That's an automated external defibrillator. It's the thing that does the shock. But just as importantly, it can give you a read of if there's a heart rhythm or not. So if someone's passed out on a field, they could still have a heartbeat. It might be a super fast heartbeat or a super slow heartbeat, but they can still have a heartbeat. And so the defibrillator, um, they design them really cool where they're a bit dummy-proof. So you just got to put the pads on. They pick up the heart tracing just like an EKG, and they tell you, hey, you should do CPR, or hey, get your hands off. We need to deliver a shock. It's very, very user-friendly. And so when they say automated, it's very automated. So, in fact, lay people can use it, not just doctors. That's wild. And you talk about the seconds and the minutes. I watched the replay once, and there's no need for me to ever go back and and rewatch that. But Joe Mixon, the running back for the Cincinnati Bengals, was almost the first one to just kind of show, hey, there's something wrong here. He's on the ground, and and we need someone right away. And hearing from medical professionals this week, it was a matter of seconds that could have been a game changer for him because, I mean, just, just go through that. Yeah, so time is everything. Okay, so when there's a sudden cardiac event, whether it's in the hospital or on the field or at a shopping mall or anywhere, seconds and minutes matter. And the studies show that if you can respond within a couple minutes with CPR, good high-quality CPR, application of the defibrillator and activating 911 and getting your emergency personnel uh, in the area, that's how you're going to save lives. The actual, the actual studies and the outcomes on people who need CPR outside of a hospital, their survival rates are not very high. And that's that's pretty well known. Yeah. And that's uh, some of that's just because the heart stopped or there's a serious problem and maybe it's not even a survivable problem. The benefit here is you have a healthy 24-year-old kid um, who had a catastrophic thing happen, but he's still a healthy 24-year-old kid. And he had that, you know, seconds access to emergency health care. So what an incredible success story. I think everybody's just just crazy about it yeah and one last thing you've already mentioned it with the cpr just how important is that to bring awareness for people to get that education i think that's the easiest thing you know in terms of how how do we as the public or even medical people respond to this moving forward is cpr training is everywhere yeah it's so easy to access babysitters do it you can be a senior citizen and do it you can be a coach you can be an administrator you can be a little league parent 
you don't have to have special qualifications to get CPR training. It's widely accessible. It can be free. And so there's almost no reason not to do it. And most of the times, you'll never have to use it. But there's always that time on a, in a shopping mall or in an airport or somewhere where you know, emergencies happen in the field and they need to be responded to. So I think that's the easiest thing for all of us to sort of cue into. If you're looking like, how can I be prepared? That's how you do it. That's just an incredible story, and everyone's so excited that Damar Hamlin is back in Buffalo um, a week later, which is absolutely insane. We're going to go to the Bengals right now, and unfortunately, the offensive line took a hit. Alex Kappel, one of their best offensive line players, he is currently down. I was a little optimistic for a second. The trainers went and got him off the sideline, and then I saw him on the cart. And that's never a good thing when a team rules you out right away. He has been on a scooter at Paycor Stadium right now. The initial reports, the footage looked like it was an ankle injury. Is this going to be something that's going to keep him out for a while? OrthoCincy Orthopedics and Sports Medicine has eight convenient orthopedic urgent care clinics in Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana with convenient weekday, evening, and Saturday hours for fractures, sprains, strains, and more. OrthoCincy's dedicated orthopedic specialists will treat your sports, work, or everyday injury. Just walk in. No appointment is ever needed at OrthoCincy Orthopedic Urgent Care. Plus, you'll spend less time and money than going to a crowded ER. Learn more at orthocincy.com. That's orthocincy with a Y.com. Alex Kappel, one of their best offensive line players. He is currently down. Is this going to be something that's going to keep him out for a while? Yeah, so I went back and watched the, the footage of it, and the footage is concerning. I mean, that's consistent with him being on one of those rolling scooters and not putting any weight on it. Anytime the doctors have you completely non-weight-bearing, that by itself I think has some significance. More minor ankle injuries, you put a boot on, you start weight-bearing as soon as possible, and you start your rehab right away. It's more significant when you're rolling around a scooter and not weight-bearing. So it would be a difficult thing to put a timetable to. And obviously, they're keeping the, the diagnosis and the prognosis private. Um, but it looked concerning on video. When you're down on a sideline, can you see right away and say, I know exactly what just happened? Sometimes. There's some characteristics mechanism of how the player twists or how they go down or how they grab their body part and if you've been around enough sports sometimes you can say that's exactly what happened um, other times you can really be fooled so you know for example when I looked at his video I had some thoughts running through my head of what type of ligament might have got injured and the severity just based on on what you see but you can always be fooled and so it's it's okay for them to be private with it and not really have a prognosis because sometimes it's, you know, you don't really know for sure. So right now, if you're a Bengals fan, you try to find any optimism, they're going to more than likely have another guy step up when it comes to depth on the offensive line. But with Alex Kappa out, if it's not a ligament injury, is it going to be something that he could maybe get back for in mid-February for a Super Bowl if they're there? Hard to say. You know, I think if he would have broken his ankle and had a fracture – they might have just went out and made that public. I don't know that for a fact, but you think they might have said, hey, he broke his ankle. He's going to need a surgery. He's out. So I'd be suspicious that it's not a broken ankle and something more soft tissue like a ligament. And, again, that can be a little bit variable. So we can always be optimistic for February. I'm going to be optimistic right now. You know what? And and maybe Alex Kappa can't be on the offensive line in January, and I'm crossing my fingers for February. But hopefully we get good news in the offseason and he can get back out there in the offensive line room. We're going to go to wide receiver T. Higgins. 
So things have kind of changed a little bit since there were some uh, reports that maybe on Monday there could be a hip pointer issue. The Bengals announced on Wednesday that he was going to be out of practice with an illness. Thursday, back at practice, feeling great. The hip injury or hip issue was brought up, and he said, you know, just a little sore out there. If you go back to that play, I feel like everybody knows where this happened. Unfortunately, our guy Joe B., Rarely happens, but he left his guy out on an island, and he took a major hit, and he was down for a while and thought, oh, no, we can't lose T. And those initial reports were it was a hip pointer injury. What's that all about? Yeah, so I, I looked at that. It's It looks like the helmet impacted the hip abdomen rib area, so it kind of hit him in the front. So it's I don't know if you could tell if you just watched the video and didn't talk to him or assess him in some way, whether it was the hip or not. Hip pointers are painful if that's what it is, but they're not medically complicated. They just hurt, and it's really just hitting the bone in the very front of your pelvis, and there's not a lot of fat or muscle protection there. So if you grab a helmet and even the padding, the football pads don't really cover that area. So it's an exposed area. So if you take a nice football helmet right to the front of your hip and pelvis bones, you definitely feel it. So if it was something like that, it'll cause some pain, but it's not a real serious thing, and that would go along with him being ready to go by Thursday. What does that treatment look like during the week? Um, Again, talking about a hip pointer, it would be a real basic thing. So things you might do at home like heat and ice, they might have them in some tubs, either hot or cold tubs, a lot of stretching. They might do some therapeutic ultrasound. So things that they do in the Bengals locker room would be similar to things you might do in a physical therapy center as an outpatient if you had a similar injury, even if you're a high school kid. So it would be pretty basic treatment. On a scale of 1 to 10 when it comes to pain, what is it like playing with something like that? Um, I think it's variable, but again, if this is a hip pointer by itself, it, the pain you might experience, if you put the adrenaline on, it might be pretty modest. Yeah. In between plays, halftime, it might ramp up a little bit, but once he gets going, I bet it'll be good. Yeah, and it's the playoffs now. It's you you got to be out there. And one of the things I, I try to tell people by January with an NFL roster, these guys aren't 100%. They're not 90% right now. They're not 80%. All of them are battling something. I mean, they have Trey Hendrickson out there on the defensive line playing with a broken wrist. So it's unbelievable the pain tolerance some of these NFL players have. And they do get a little help before they go into the game uh, when it comes to some of the treatments before he will take the field against the Baltimore Ravens. I really appreciate you coming in. I, I want to talk to the optimistic side. And I really felt like you gave Bengals fans some some good news for Alex Kapp and T Higgins yeah Yeah, glad to be here uh we'll be rooting for the Bengals this weekend for sure and hoping their injuries heal up I'm gonna say this because we said it before we started recording you're from Detroit correct correct what did you think about that Lions season this year pretty good season pretty optimistic for Lions fans out there I know there's not a lot in this area but I think the city uh I was just actually up there for a trip not too long ago the city's pretty excited about their coach and some of their young players so they've had a pretty lousy road in the last uh, several seasons so there's some optimism in Detroit for sure yeah I almost feel like the Lions fan base I feel like I've said this on Twitter when I talk about watching the Detroit Lions it's very similar to what it felt like in Cincinnati for so long when you deal with playoff losses and not winning seasons nobody's going to the games and I'm really I really like Dan Campbell I feel like everybody's playing for him so I'm hoping the Lions, they, they, they take the NFC next year, and uh, that would be fun. AFC Bengals, NFC Lions. Love to see that led by uh, Aiden Hutchinson. That's, I guess, our Joe, our Joe Burrow yeah. um, up in Detroit. He's a fellow Michigan grad, so uh, we're, we're uh, hoping he leads the way.